Good morning, everyone. Now, before we get into our scripture reading for today, I just want to share a little bit about how I have come to this scripture. I've been working on this sermon for several weeks, which has really seemed like several months, and it hasn't been an easy feat at all. And not because I've run out of things to talk about or preach about, that's for sure. I mean, you can ask Dan, he'll attest that I rarely ever run out of words. But it's been a struggle. It's been a struggle because in essence, this really is my farewell to you. And I'm filled with lots of emotions and lots of thoughts, and I've been trying to sort through them and and put them into words and have it make sense and not have me bawling my eyes out, and this has just been really challenging. So I needed a little help, and I turned to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul has brought me much strength and encouragement and understanding in my journey as a believer and especially in my call and how to maneuver through all of that with all the emotions and the intricacies of it. And I have always been able to count on him to steer me in the right direction. And one of the things that I have always wondered about Paul, which now I stand here and I wonder for my own self, is how was Paul able to serve a congregation love them so deeply, just pour himself out to them, and then receive a call from God to pick up and move to another congregation and have to serve them in the same capacity, all while holding on to the sadness of leaving those that he loves so dearly. And so through this process, I read through all his letters to the churches, and I actually did discover how he did it and I'm going to share that a little bit later. But all those letters led me to this particular letter, to this particular passage, because when I put everything, all of those emotions and thoughts for all of you, this is what my heart holds for you. So our scripture reading from today is from Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. Paul says, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in the knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. This is the word of the Lord. 
Now, in this opening letter to the Church of Philippi, there are several things that Paul is praying for and hoping for the Philippians, and today I just want to look at three of them. And these three are just as important today for us as they were to the Philippians, and these three are the very things that I hope for each one of you individually as believers, but also as First Presbyterian Church of Fairfield. My first hope from you is for in verse 9, that your love will overflow more and more. You are a people that have the love of Christ overflowing from you. I've experienced your love for me and my family. I've witnessed your love for each other. I've seen it to believers outside of FPC, to non-believers. I've seen it to so many organizations and within your own communities. As part of my role here at FPC, I had the opportunity to connect with our first-time visitors, and the overwhelming majority of them told me that they felt welcomed and loved the moment they walked through the door. That's not an easy thing to do. That is actually a gift. When you can love on strangers from a first meeting and they actually feel a genuine love and excitement from you that they just showed up and walked through the door, that's a gift. And more importantly, it's a reflection of Jesus in each one of you. The love of Christ growing and overflowing from you is the very foundation for everything that you will ever do for him. All of the other elements that Paul desired from the Philippians stemmed from the love of Christ growing and overflowing from them. The things that really matter cannot be achieved without the love of Christ being rooted in your heart, growing more and more, and overflowing from you to others around you to make a difference. Now, there's many opportunities to grow that love, but it really starts with your relationship with Jesus. We all know that we have to put effort into all of our relationships. We can't expect to grow closer and in deeper relationships with anyone if we don't put the work in. Our relationship with Jesus is the easiest to neglect, yet it is the most important one we will ever have in this life. And I think I should say that again. Our relationship with Jesus is the easiest relationship to neglect, but the most important relationship we will ever have. It's easy to put off spending time with God, and little by little that time grows longer and longer and farther and farther apart, and eventually we get to the place where we can't even remember the last time we spent time with God. And when our relationship with God suffers, all of our other relationships will suffer whether it's an intimate and close relationship, a casual acquaintance, or even a simple passing by of a stranger, they all flow from the very same place, which is our relationship with God. We cannot have good relationships with anyone in any capacity if our relationship with God isn't good. Now, I'm not saying that all of our relationships will be good because they aren't. We are living in a broken world we are hurting people. We're not perfect. But if our relationship with God isn't in good standing, then our role, our responsibility in other relationships cannot be good, and we will not give our best. 
We have to invest our time in God before we can invest our time with others. And then when we do that, then the love of Christ grows more and more in us. And it grows more and more to the point that it overflows from us and it starts reaching others all around us. And then we can love well because God's love rules in our hearts. My prayer for you is that your love will grow more and more and it will overflow more and more. This is my hope for each one of you individually, but also as a church family, so that you will continue to bring our God much glory and praise. The second thing I hope for you is also from verse 9, where Paul says that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. And there's several ways we can do that, but I'm just going to mention two. The first one is to be in the Word and studying for yourself. Now, I know that's really hard. The Bible can be hard to read and understand. But it's a discipline that we have to develop and a discipline we have to work at. Just like any subject that we have ever studied, when we first started, we didn't know a whole lot about it, which is why we had to study. And the more we studied, these, the material became a little bit easier. And before we know it, as time went on, the material became easier and easier. And maybe we didn't understand it all, but we were learning. We were making progress. And the word works like that as well. It gets easier to understand the more you study. And the more that you study, the more you know your father and the more you connect with his heart. And the second way to grow in knowledge and understanding is to be in community with others and learn from each other and with each other. Over the past few years that I've been here, I've seen our small groups grow tremendously. They've become these vibrant and flourishing groups. And we have groups now that meet weekly and monthly for a specific period of time. They meet in Zoom, they meet online or in person. There's so many different opportunities. And I see your faith is growing. Your understanding is growing. Your knowledge is growing. And you are doing it together. But don't stop. Keep going. The more you grow in knowledge and understanding, the better equipped you will be to put the word into action. We are not called just to be hearers or readers of the word. We are also called to be doers of the word, and we must do them both. In James chapter 1, he connects the importance of being hearers of the word and doers of the word. And James emphasizes that when we put the word in action, we are actually helping ourselves to remember the teachings of Jesus. We are helping ourselves not to forget what he has been teaching us. And the more that we do, the more that we remember. And eventually it all becomes muscle memory. And it all becomes your everyday natural way of life. If we just study and don't do will easily forget. How many of you remember how to write an English essay? <laughs> Not too many, because when's the last time you wrote an essay? If you don't do, you won't remember. It's through the studying and through the doing that we become different. 
we become better disciples of Christ and we invest in our relationship with him. And eventually, as we know God better and better and we know his heart more, we will understand the Bible, the word more and more. And then it will become very natural to us to do what we know to do to honor God and reflect him in our lives. It will just become our everyday way of thinking and acting. Now I know all that sounds all easy, and we can get down on ourselves and be like, oh, I just missed that, I didn't do a good job. So let me offer some encouragement. Let's look back at the original 12 disciples. Because those original 12 disciples were not the best disciples when they started out. Okay, they had lots of doubts, lots of questions. They fought with each other. They sought power and position with their group. And I particularly love James and John, who were given the sweet nickname of Sons of Thunder by Jesus himself. Now, if you don't know the story, you would think, oh, well, they must have been on fire for Jesus bringing people to him. No, that's not how they got the nickname. They actually got the nickname of Sons of Thunder because they literally wanted to call down the fire of heaven and the judgment of God for him to smite out a few Samaritans that had disrespected them. It wasn't a good nickname. See, they had a lot of growing in knowledge and understanding and in love in order to become the disciples that affect us so much today. Long after they have walked the earth, they're still affecting us today. They're still teaching us and guiding us on the path to become better disciples. But let us not forget where they started. They started as sons of thunder. They couldn't become the disciples that we know today who influence and teach us without the love of Christ in them and overflowing from them. When that love is so rooted and starts overflowing, it changes us, and it changes our understanding. That love empowers us to live out the teachings of Jesus. And my prayer for you all is that you will continue to grow in knowledge and understanding, to be disciples that affect the world all around you, and to continue to bring our God glory and praise. This is my hope for you, both individually and as a church family. The third thing I hope from you is for verse 10, that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. Now, I know that that sounds like an impossible thing to do, that there's, it's just, it can't be done. So I want to just back up a little bit in verse 10, where Paul says, For I want you to understand what really matters. This is the key, that once we understand what really matters, then yes, we actually can live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. Paul's not saying that you're going to live a sinless life because that's not even possible, but what he is saying is once you understand what really matters— then your priorities start to shift, and they start to shift from temporal things to eternal things. And the way of, that we live our lives just automatically will follow that, and we will change because we won't be living for our own desires as much anymore. We'll be living for Jesus and the teachings and the things that he taught us to live out to reflect him. And all the while, as we do that, then in that process, we start to measure our own actions against Jesus' teachings 
teachings and his standards so that now our standards become his standards. And then we do live our lives in a way that is pleasing to God and brings him much glory and praise. We still sin and we're still going to miss the mark. But as we grow in knowledge and understanding of what really matters, God will be recognized and honored in our lives and in our commitments to live for him. Did you know that God could be honored in your shortcomings? God can be honored in your failings, and God can be honored in your commitment to want and to try to live your lives in a way that Jesus has taught us. Now, Paul gives us a little more insight into living pure and blameless lives in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 10. He says, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. So there's that growing in knowledge and growing in understanding. And then when we start to receive that from God, Paul tells us, then you will live your lives always in a way that honors and pleases the Lord. And on top of that, then your lives will start to produce every good kind of fruit. And all the while that all that is happening, Paul tells us that we're going to grow and we're going to learn to know our God better and better. And as we grow in that knowledge and understanding and the love of Christ overflows from us, our hearts change, our intentions change, our motivation change, and we live more for him than we are living for ourselves. And we change because of love. God's love in our hearts. When we live in a way that honors and pleases the Lord, we produce fruit, that sweet fruit of the Spirit, and it becomes evident in our lives. It becomes evident to people around us, but it also becomes evident to ourselves because we see that God is transforming us into his image. And that beautiful fruit is the evidence that we are growing in deeper relationship with God and we are knowing him better and better. <clears throat> My prayer is that you will live pure and blameless lives that produce every good kind of fruit to bring our God glory. And I hope that for each one of you and as a church family. Paul's whole prayer for the Philippians was rooted in love. See, God's love was so rooted into Paul's heart that God's love for the Philippians had become Paul's love for the Philippians. They were one in the same. <clears throat> Paul was so close to the Father that his heart had been changed to reflect him. But Paul had a lot of growing in love and knowledge and understanding too, because before he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he would have killed believers like the Philippians for their faith. But when the love of God took root in Paul's heart, and it grew and grew and grew, God expanded Paul's heart to love him more, which then overflowed to love others more. And eventually, Paul's love for the Philippians became so intertwined with God's love that it flowed from the very same place but it all started with Paul's relationship with the Father. <clears throat> now remember in the beginning of this message, I shared with you how I've always wondered, how does Paul do this? 
How does he love and serve so well and then get called to move to another congregation? Because I'm standing in those shoes right now and I'm wondering how do I do this? And not just how do I do it, but how do I do it well? How do I do it well for all of you and how do I do it well for the next congregation I'm to serve? And here's where the Holy Spirit led me. When you are in good relationship with the Lord, and I want you to notice that I said when you are in good relationship with the Lord, because the Lord is always in great relationship with us. He always gives us his best. But when you are in good relationship with the Lord and you really desire to follow him and wherever that may lead, you grab on to the love of God and it becomes your strength and your joy. As you grow in the love of God, he expands your heart with his love. And it expands to the point where you have to pour it out and love others. But you love them like Christ loves you. And before you know it, you have this even greater capacity to love more people. So when the time does come that God calls you to somewhere else or calls you to do something different, and it calls you to leave something behind. The joy of the Father's love and the joy of the love from the current community that you have for them and they have for you far outweighs the loss of leaving. Your heart has expanded so much and is filled with the love and joy of Christ that it strengthens you to follow wherever he leads. And that's the place that I am in right now. My love isn't going to end for you today. My love for you and your love for me is actually the very thing that propels me to love and serve other people. That love has expanded my heart to love those that God has given me for this next season of my life. The joy that I have from our time together far outweighs the sadness that I feel leaving. In the words of Alfred Tennyson, it is better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. I was led to this passage today because this is you. This is how I will always remember you. With great joy, overflowing with love, growing in knowledge and understanding, in living your lives to be pure and blameless so that you will continue to bear much fruit until Christ's return. Now, while there's a very big part of me that's sad to leave, I want you to know that I wouldn't even be able to take this step and have the courage to do so without all of you. As time went on, our hearts were linked together in our desire to serve the Lord and love his people. And that changed me. My heart is full of love for you, and God has continued to use that love to help enlarge my heart, to be courageous, and to love another congregation. Now that's the sad part, that I am leaving. And I don't want you to be too sad. You can be a little sad, and you can, you know, be sad at coffee hour today. It's okay. <laughs> But I don't want you to stay sad because I want you to see your part in this and rejoice in what God has done because your part 
is affecting another congregation. You are part of the first covenant of Jamestown's story. You are part of their testimony. And it's because that you have loved me so well that I am growing and overflowing in love. It's because that you have loved me so well that I'm growing in knowledge and understanding. And it's because you've loved me so well that I am bearing much good fruit. And it is because you have loved me so well that I can bring our God glory and praise. And I hope that I have loved you so well that you will continue to bring our God glory and praise. I tried really hard to figure out a way to close the sermon, particularly one that didn't involve me bawling my eyes out, but I still am going to make no promises on this. And as I was thinking about how do I say goodbye, this sweet childhood memory of my grandmother and I popped into my head just randomly, or so I thought. See, we had this quirky way of saying goodbye to people when I was a kid. My grandmother was never one to say goodbye. She thought that eventually, somehow, some way, your paths would cross again, which was actually pretty philosophical for her because she wasn't a woman of faith until closer to her death. Well, my grandparents, they were big Roy Roger fans. Anybody remember Roy Rogers? You might know where I'm going with this. <laughs> and so my grandmother and I would sing, happy trails to you until we meet again when we said goodbye to people. And at the time, that was just something fun to sing with Grammy. And I was a kid, so people thought it was adorable. Here was this little kid and her Grammy singing these words, saying goodbye to people. And I had forgotten all about this memory until I sat down to figure out how to close this sermon. And I forgot about the words. I used to know the song. So, of course, I Googled it. And I discovered that this song is actually based on Jesus. In fact, the last verse never received much airplay because it mentioned Jesus. And I thought, well, isn't this quite fitting? What a beautiful way my grandmother taught me to say goodbye to people, even though she had no idea what she was doing. But she was teaching me to bless people on their trails, to wish them happiness, to wish them peace and love until we meet again, and to hold on to the hope that we would meet again. Now, I'm going to apologize now because I know the song is going to get stuck in your head because it's very catchy. But listen to the words of the last verse. Happy trails to you. It's great to say hello and to share with you the trail we've come to know. It started on the day we met Jesus. He came into our hearts and then he freed us. For a life that's true, a happy trail to you. Our trails were destined to meet the moment we decided to live for the glory of the Lord. Our trails were destined to meet exactly when they did for exactly as long as they did to accomplish the specific things that God had ordained and to bring him glory. And we did exactly that together. Together, we touched so many people, people who didn't know Christ, people who were seeking and learning, people who did know Christ and just needed a community. We shared his message. We showed Jesus through ourselves individually and together as a church family. And together we produced much fruit from this church. And we were the very vessel that Christ used to show his love. And you still are that vessel.
we did bring our Father much glory and praise. And in the process, we loved more, we learned more, and we were changed to look more like Jesus. You all have helped to make me a better disciple of Jesus. You have all helped me be a better pastor. Thank you. Even though our trails are now taking us in different directions, we will meet again. Maybe it might not happen in this lifetime, but oh, we are going to meet again. But until then, I wish you all much, much happiness on your trails. My prayer will always be for you that you will be filled with the fruit of your salvation and that you continue to bring much glory and praise to our God. So until we meet again, my hope for you is that your love will overflow more and more, that you will keep growing in the knowledge and understanding of our Savior, and that you will know greater depths of his love for you, and that you will live a pure and blameless life until the day of Christ's return. So my very, very sweet, dear friends, happy trails to you until we meet again. Give me one moment so that I can pray for you, please. <laughs> oh, Lord God, I thank you so much for these people, for your people, Lord. I thank you for their hearts and their desire to serve you, to be your reflection in this world. And I pray, Father, that your love would be rooted deeper and deeper in their hearts, that they would get a better understanding and knowledge of how much you truly love them, and that that will just overflow from them into this world so that others may see you in each one of them. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give them wisdom and revelation into the word, that it would become alive to them, that it would bring new meaning and understanding to them, and that you would strengthen and empower them to choose God's ways, to choose his will, to choose Jesus' teachings, and live lives that are pure and blameless to bring him honor and glory. And I thank you, Lord, for the time that we've had together that we have produced much good fruit to bring you glory and praise, but we are all the better for it. Through all of the joys, through all of the sorrows, through the challenges, through the celebrations, Lord, we have been changed to look more like you. And I pray, Lord, that you would open the heavens and pour your blessings down upon First Presbyterian Church of Fairfield. That you would continue, Lord, to draw people here as a place of a beacon of hope and love that they will come and meet you and meet a community. I thank you for all the amazing things that you are going to continue to do through this church far into the future until the day that Jesus returns. Lord, they're precious to you and they're precious to me. So may your hand of protection be upon them. May you pour out your love on them. And may they always know who they are in you. Thank you, Lord, for this time that you have given us together.
thank you for using us to be the vessels that show Jesus to this world. In Jesus' name, amen.